Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello. Hey, Salt Church. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. Let me get ready. Um, Awesome to be doing church with you. So good to be in person and welcome if you're tuning in online. Great to have you as well. Uh, Now, sometimes what our culture teaches and what the God of the Bible teaches are pretty similar, pretty much the same. Other times they're wildly different. What we're dealing with today is a radical difference. And you can see how different the culture is and the Bible is when I ask you this question. I'm sure you were asked as a kid. Here's the question. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be someone who doesn't spill water on my Bible. That's my big aim in life. Or laptop. My laptop avoided it, so that's good. Here's the question, though. What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, And what's the answer that our culture expects to that question? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse or a teacher or a chippy or a sparky or an accountant. Uh, Probably not an accountant, but that's the answer that the culture expects, isn't it? That's how you're meant to answer that question. And that question's not just for kids, it's asked of adults too. How often do you meet someone and the first question you ask them or the first question they ask you is, what do you do for work? Why do we ask that question? Because our culture ties what we do with who we are. Because notice the question isn't, what do you want to do when you grow up, but who do you want to be? Because what we do is who we are in our culture. And then we take a next step and we come up with this elaborate ranking system to work out who is better based on what you do. We rank our importance as people based on where we fit on the ladder, on the rungs in the ladder. Uh, I used to work in a hospital and it was so obvious the rungs of the ladder. Doctors were at the top, doctors were better than the nurses and the nurses were better than the admin staff and the admin staff were better than the cleaners. And I was one of the admin staff so I didn't work in the nice new section of the hospital, I worked in the basement. That's where I hung out for work, in the basement. Because in our culture your identity comes from what you do and we rank our importance as people based on what we do. And it's glaringly obvious how different God's values are when you hear the Bible's answer to that question. What does God want you to be when you grow up? Patient, trustworthy, honest, committed to Jesus. And what does God rank? Who does God rank as better and most important? Well, Jesus says, if you want to be great, climb to the bottom of the ladder and be a servant of everyone else. What our culture teaches and what the Bible teaches are radically different. But, of course, we bring the Bible with us every time we read the Bible, because this is the culture that we swim in. And Romans 12 has shown us, come to Romans 12, it's shown us we need to have minds that are transformed uh, to see things God's way. Uh, We've seen there's this big action of God that changes everything. It's in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is this big action of God. God's given us his mercy. He's given us this new gift of life and a relationship with him. And so it changes everything. Uh, We have this key action in response. We live lives for him. And it looks like verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be molded or shaped by what our culture has to say anymore. 
but see reality God's way. Be transformed to see things the way they really are, as God tells us from his word how they really are. And we've seen we live out this new life in a community of Christians. So look at verse 5. It says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I belong to you, and you belong to me, is what it's telling us. And each church is this one body filled with people who are different, really diverse, but they're this one body together. And today we're going to see how we use our different gifts to serve that one body. I want to say if you're visiting or if you're tuning in online and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, today you're going to see this whole new way to be human. Uh, this whole new way to view your identity and to rank what matters in life. It's wildly different to what our culture teaches. It's gloriously beautiful. It's radically better to what our culture teaches. So how about I pray and we'll jump into Romans 12. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would teach us from your word. Help us to see gifts and see ourselves the way that your word tells us to see them. And give us a shape, a picture of what reality really looks like. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Well, we're looking at gifts, the topic of gifts. And look in verse 6. Here it is, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, I've found that Christians are usually fascinated by talking about gifts and spiritual gifts. We've got tons of questions about them. Uh, My plan is we're going to work our way through a few of these verses. I'm going to dip into some other parts of the Bible. And I'm going to give you six facts about gifts to answer 6% of the questions that you have about gifts. That's my aim. So here we go. First question, who has gifts? All people do, but especially Christians. Because the key thing about a gift is it's given. You know, makes sense, gift given. Uh, here's a couple of verses from the Bible that talk about where gifts have come from and who they've gone to. Uh, James 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Every good and perfect gift is from God the Father. Or Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Whether you believe in God or not, the reality is all our gifts, all our abilities, even life itself has come from God as a gift of God, given to all people. And this is especially true of Christians. Verse 6 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Um, One more passage I thought of this morning that I didn't chuck up there. Come back to Romans 6. This one's awesome. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Romans 6, verse 23. says this, For the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the gift that God has given us, the biggest gift above all gifts, eternal life in Christ Jesus our God. Every Christian has got gifts. Every person has got gifts. But it's even clearer when you see what the word gifts means, uh, which is the second question, what are gifts? Gifts are anything you've received from God's grace. So the the word there in the original language in Greek, the word there for gifts is the Greek word charismata, which means grace gifts or gifts from grace. Um, You can see there I've got Romans 12 verse 6 for you. It says we have different gifts, charismata, according to the grace, charis, given to each of us. Charis, charismata, makes sense. Uh, There it is in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, charismata, 
but the same Spirit distributes them. So what are gifts? Uh, What Christians often call spiritual gifts. Gifts are God's grace given to us by the Holy Spirit. And there's seven of these gifts in Romans 12 verse 6. Have a look, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Uh, What is prophecy? I still, to be honest, I still haven't worked this out exactly, but it could be predicting the future. I think more likely it's things like being moved by God, being stirred by God to apply God's word into your own life or somebody else's life. You can ask me about that in Q&A. Serving. If you're serving, then serve. The, The word for serving there is the word for a slave performing table service for their master. It's the word for low service of any kind. Uh, If your gift is teaching, explaining God's word to someone else, or encouraging in verse 8. If it's to encourage, then encourage. It's the idea of standing alongside someone to exhort them and spur them on. Uh, If your gift is giving, give generously. Give your time, give your money. If your gift is leading, do it diligently. Uh, Directing people, being responsible for people. Do it diligently, willingly, earnestly. Uh, If your gift is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, Showing concern for someone who's in need. Doing that gladly and not bitterly. That's what it's talking about here. These seven gifts. And these gifts are gracious abilities and circumstances that have been given by the Holy Spirit. But these aren't the only lists. Here's a table. These are all the lists I could find in the New Testament of where this word charismata is used. Uh, these are all grace gifts. Let me super quickly go through them. You got all those ones in Romans 12. You got two lists in 1 Corinthians 12. Words of knowledge, miracles, healing, tongues. You got administration, the gift of administration and helping. Uh, other stuff there. Romans 1, you've got mutual encouragement. Just spurring somebody else on in a Christian life is a gift. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about being single or married as a gift. Ephesians 4, you've got four people with these gifts. Uh, 1 Peter 4, speaking, serving, speech and knowledge. A whole variety of stuff. Isn't there so many different things there? And I actually think with all of that variety, I don't think that's even an exhaustive list of all the gifts that there are. Because if a spiritual gift is a gift of God's grace, where are you going to draw the line on that? Everything you have is a gift of God's grace. If you have business skills... If you've got a degree, if you've got a trade, that didn't come by your work alone. That came by God at work in you, giving you the opportunities and the ability to learn. It's exam time at the moment for those of us who are studying. And some of us are going to pass when we should have failed because of God's grace. Now that's God's grace to you that you got through that. The circumstances of your life are a gift from God. If you have money... You have the gift of generosity. You could give some of it away. If you have a home, you have the house, you have the gift of hospitality. If you're single or widowed, you have the gift of singleness and the opportunities and the challenges that come with that. Same as if you're married, you have the gift of marriage and the opportunities and the challenges that come with that. Though to be fair, some people would take 1 Corinthians 7, some Christians take 1 Corinthians 7 to mean it's being content in your singleness or in your marriage. Uh, For what it's worth, I think the gift is the circumstance of singleness or marriage rather than being content in it. But either way, could be either, but the big point is still there. All your abilities, your skills, your circumstances, your money, your time, your very life, 
All you have because of God's grace is charismata gifts. So let me speak to the Christians in the room. Be encouraged. When the Holy Spirit was handing out gifts, you didn't miss out. Sometimes we can worry about what gift we have and you can read books and you can do surveys online to try and identify what gifts you have. But whatever you've received from God's grace is a gift of God's grace. And it's all given to us by God for what? Well, what are these gifts for? Well, these gifts are given to grow the church. You have money and time and skills to grow other Christians. All of our gifts contribute to the good of Salt Church. Uh, Imagine for a second you broke your leg. Imagine how hard it would be to walk on a broken leg. If you take away these crutches, this guy is going nowhere fast. Uh, I don't recommend you take away the crutches from people with broken legs. But if you did, this guy's going nowhere. He's going nowhere fast. That's kind of the image in verse 4. Come back with me. Romans 12 verse 4. It says, for just as each of us has one body with many members or many limbs, might be another way to translate that, just as each of us has one body with many members, many limbs, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The point is we use our limbs differently, use our arms and our legs differently, but they're part of the one body. And we need all our limbs for our body to work properly. It's hard to walk on a broken leg. And Soul Church is the same. We have different gifts, different functions for the good of the body, for the good of the one body. And we need all our different gifts for our bodies to work properly. You have gifts to grow other Christians. Uh, So here's a photo. This was last Sunday. First time back for four months. It was awesome. What happened last Sunday? What's happening right now? God's word is being taught because God gave us pastors with the gift of teaching. But you wouldn't hear anything. You wouldn't be taught anything if not for people with the gifts of running the tech, running the sound system, running the live stream. Plus, we couldn't meet in this building or run the tech if not for people with jobs and the gift of generosity who paid for the electricity in this building. And this building is clean enough for you to be here because someone with a gift of time and willing to do lowly service cleaned the toilets and vacuumed. Actually, when I walked in this morning, there was a brand new vacuum cleaner that someone bought for Soul Church. I don't know who did that. That's awesome. That's an awesome, generous gift because our old vacuum cleaner was rubbish. Uh, it's, it didn't suck. And that was the problem. <laughs> uh, when you filled in your connect form earlier? The only reason, nothing would have happened with that connect form if not for Natalie Dixon and other people with the gift of administration who process all that information. Uh, Some of us only came today or tuned in today because a friend with the gift of encouragement called us during the week to ask how we were going and to pray with us. Uh, If you're struggling to be single or you're struggling being married and you speak to someone who has the gift of being in the same circumstance, you can be cared for. You see, all these gifts are for the good of other Christians that are grow the church. There's actually bigger than just the church. You can use gifts to do good to anyone. You can serve anyone and everyone. Soul Church is not the be-all and end-all of life. Of course, there's so much more to life than coming here on a Sunday. You can serve at Salt. You can serve everywhere. 
in your family, in your workplace, in your sports team, whatever you're doing, you can serve. You actually have more opportunities to use your gifts than you could ever fill. But what's the priority? The priority is actually to prioritize Christians. Uh, Paul tells us this in Galatians 6. Paul says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Serve everywhere, serve anyone, but there's a particular priority to Christians because we're family. That's the reason God gives us gifts, to grow Christians and to do good to all people. So if that's what gifts are for, what aren't gifts for? Not for our self-identity and our self-satisfaction. But that is the very thing that our culture has taught us to do with them. Uh, When I was a teenager, I grew up going to church. And when I was a teenager, I used to play guitar at church. I was not very good. I did not look as cool as this dude. Uh, I was not very good, but they were desperate. And so I was good enough, which is good enough for me. Uh, But after a short while, even though I wasn't very good, after a short while, I started to see my gift. Sorry, I started to see myself as my gift. So who am I at at church? I'm a guitarist. That's who I am. Uh, Like my gift is my identity. I remember visiting this church one time. It was full of lovely old people. It was awesome. Uh, And they introduced themselves like this. They said, hi, I'm Dave. I'm the secretary of church. I'm Jane. I lead one of the Bible studies. Um, Some of them even introduced themselves based on roles that they used to have. Um, I'm Jess. I used to be the assistant to the assistant to the secretary to the bishop or something like that. Um, that, What is that? That's the mindset of our culture that's drifted into our church, isn't it? Because in our culture, what I do is who I am. And we follow our culture when we find our self-identity from our gifts. And we follow our culture when we rank our gifts and rank our importance as people based on our gifts. Uh, let me ask you this question. Who is the VIP of Salt Church? Who are the VIPs of Salt Church? Uh, what is the most important gift at Salt Church? I think your answer will depend on your personality. Uh, maybe any gift you don't have, or maybe the gift you do have. Depends on your personality. I reckon some of us, though, would say pastors. Probably some of us would say pastors because pastors have this important role to lead and to feed church. Uh, People look up to pastors. I look up to pastors, even though I am one. Uh, We can treat pastors like they're the most important, like they're the head of the body. You know, there's one body, many parts. Who's the head? Pastors must be the head because they've got this visible, important role. Uh, Here's what I reckon pastors are. I think pastors are the stomach. I think pastors are like the stomach of the body because what do we do? We digest and apply God's word so that the rest of the body can serve and be fueled to serve. The stomach, there is nothing sexy about a stomach. The VIP at Salt Church, the head of the body is Jesus. Actually, you can see the way that we rank gifts in the way that we use the word charismata. Uh, Some Christians call themselves charismatic Christians. You might have heard this label. Maybe you use this label of yourself. Uh, it means different things to different people. As with every label, you have to ask, what does that mean to you? You can't just assume you know based on the label. Uh, but let me ignore what I just said and give you a rough definition of the label. Uh, at least for some Christians, this is what being a charismatic Christian means, I think. 
It means that you're a Christian who has these experiences of God that show themselves in supernatural ways, uh, doing things that you couldn't do in your own strength, with impressive gifts like miraculous healings or speaking in tongues and other languages that you haven't learned, having kind of prophetic messages from God, uh, words of knowledge about things, uh, that kind of thing. Now, leaving aside for a second questions about whether Christians who use those things are describing those things the way the Bible describes them, I want to say all of those things are definitely charismatic gifts. They're definitely charismata, just like everything else. The word charismata is used for all the gifts in the New Testament. The gift of administration is just as much a charismatic special experience of God's grace as the gift of healing. Because what human would use the gifts of administration to bring glory to God unless the Holy Spirit was at work in them? Powerfully, in a spectacular way. It's all gifts from God, from the Holy Spirit. We actually rank gifts, and when we get our identity from gifts, that's actually a terrible mistake. It's a terrible mistake to get your identity from gifts. And the biggest reason is because Jesus shattered the connection between what I do and who I am. I think about this, that that moment that we heard earlier from Nigel, the disciples are arguing, one of those great disciple arguments, who's the greatest? And they're fighting about where they fit on the ladder of importance. And Jesus says to them, you got it all wrong. Here's what he says. Jesus called his disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be great? Don't serve yourself, because selfishness is not greatness. Service is greatness. Serving like Jesus who gives his life to ransom us. And as he ransoms us, Jesus shatters the link between what I do and who I am. Uh, Let me try and illustrate this. Uh, Here's a picture. We're climbing to God. Jesus is there at the flag. Jesus is at the top already. He's already arrived. Because who is Jesus? He's perfect in every way. What he does is perfect. Who he is is perfect. But the rest of us are at the very bottom facing this endless climb up the ladder to be good enough for God so that what we do is perfect like Jesus. But at the cross, check this out, that took me too long to do. At the cross, Jesus, it's like Jesus takes us and he puts us at the top. It's like we're treated as if we were perfect like Jesus is. Jesus gives us his identity so that who we are is ransomed people accepted by God. Even though we're not perfect people like Jesus is. Our performance left us at the bottom. Our performance still leaves us at the bottom. But Jesus has ransomed us. And who are we now? Accepted people. Not because we're good enough. We're still not good enough. We're accepted people because of what he did, because of his performance. See, Jesus shatters the connection between what I do and who I am. At church, I'm not a guitarist. I'm not a pastor. 
I'm not a charismatic Christian. My main identity is that I belong to Jesus. In our culture, your identity comes from what you do. And we rank our importance as people based on what we do. But Jesus shatters all of that. He shatters the connection between what you do and who you are. You're accepted because of what he did. That's your identity. You see, this is a whole new way to be human. This is a whole new way to view your identity and to rank what matters. It's wildly different to what our culture teaches. It's gloriously beautiful. It's radically better because it brings you security that can never be taken away. And it flips our world's values upside down. See, what aren't gifts for? Gifts are not for our self-identity. And they're not for our self-satisfaction either. Now, sometimes we want to use a gift because we enjoy it. We've, we've got a passion for it. We love using it. Uh, we feel fulfilled when we get to use it. Uh, sometimes we can even think we have the right to use it and we can feel disappointed or angry if we're not able to use it. What do you do there? Uh, well, let me give you an example. Think about musicians at Salt Church. Say you got to be the person who picks who's in the bands at Salt Church. What kind of musician would you pick? We had some before. There they are. What kind of musician would you pick to be in the bands at Salt Church? Would you pick a musician who plays because they're just passionate about music? They just love playing music. Or would you pick the musician who loves us and they serve because they want us to praise God? I know who I would pick. It's great if you enjoy using the gifts God's given. But you get so much more joy when you use them for the reason that God gave them to us. To grow the church, to do good. I remember a woman at Salt Church who used to be at Salt Church, used to lead one of the bands. And she told me this one time, when she was playing and she was singing because she loved music, when she did that, she felt really nervous being up the front. Uh, she actually was kind of a gross experience most of the time whenever she was doing that. But when she was focused on playing for us to help us praise God, she forgot to be nervous. She just forgot all about herself because she was so focused on how epic it was that she and we were praising our God together. That's where real joy comes. Real joy doesn't come from getting to use a special skill you've got or that you're passionate about. You really enjoy your gifts when you use them for the reason that God gave them to us. Fifth question though, where can I use gifts at Salt Church, in the church that God's put you in? Where do I use them at Salt? Well, basically anywhere. Uh, you don't need to be in a special team with a special title to serve at Salt Church. Here's a bunch of ways you could serve. I'm sure you can think of more. As you drive into Salt, pray about who you're going to sit next to and ask God to sit you next to someone that he really wants you to. There's a simple way. When you park, park far away from the front door. Wouldn't it be awesome if 20 meters either side of our front door was just free parking spaces so that every visitor who came to Salt Church could find a spot really easily. And everybody who just had a really rough morning, rough day, found it really hard to get to church could just pull right up to the front door. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Uh, don't be one of those people who are late. You know, if you're one of those late people, that'd be awesome. But don't be one of those late people. Plan to get here early so you can chat with people before church starts. There's simple ways. You can pick up the phone this week and call someone. You can send a text to a friend. There's so many ways to serve. You don't need permission to do any of those ways. 
If you can see a need, just go and fill it. Uh, You don't need to be in a special team. But be in a special team with a special title so we can coordinate this work that we're doing. Let me take you under the hood at Soul Church for a second. This is, you know, behind the scenes knowledge. This is, this is next level. Usually in a church, what happens is 20% of people do 80% of the work. That's usually what happens in a church, any volunteer organization. 20% of people do 80% of the work, and the other 80% of the people just come along to consume and enjoy the show. Here's what it's like at Salt Church. Let me show you some stats. Who doesn't love stats? Uh, the blue column there is figures from 2019. The red is the start of 2021, and the next color, orange, green. I'm colorblind. I don't know what color that is. Let's go with orange. What color is it? Orange. Yellow. What? <laughs> Let's go with green. It's green. That is the, uh, currently, um, people currently. This is, I made this chart maybe a month ago. Uh, look at the figures of serving and not serving. In a usual church, they're flipped the other way around. The not serving people is the highest. The serving is the lowest. It's not like that at Soul Church at all. We have so many people serving. And this, this is just capturing formal roles that you can count. It's much higher than that. As actually it's going up in the last month, the not serving has dropped because we didn't need many ways to serve during lockdown. But now lockdown's ending and so there's more ways to serve. And we're calling people, texting people. They're saying, yes, I'll serve. It's awesome. Uh, look there as how many roles people are serving in too. Some people are serving in three or four different things at Salt Church. This is awesome. Now, the other thing that's usually in a church, usually 20% of people, 80% of the work, that's not Salt Church. But the other thing that's usually in a, in a church is that in a small church, you can see all the needs. But in a bigger church, you can't see them. And so you assume that there aren't any, or you assume there aren't very many. Logically, though, it would go the other way, wouldn't it? There's more needs because there's more people to grow. You're having a bigger reach. There's more people you're welcoming. There's more people to serve. Uh, We actually have, let me show you this chart. We actually have more than 50 different roles at Salt Church, more than 50 different ways that you can serve at Salt Church. And we've, there's 50 circles. We've stripped these back. We used to have more. We've stripped them back so that we're only doing things that are crucial to help us grow as disciples. All of these roles are intentional. They help to grow or make new disciples. And most of these roles are filled. Plenty of them aren't. And the odds are there is something on there that is a good fit for your gifts and your capacity and a good thing for Salt Church. And all 50 of these roles are open to men and women. All 50 of these roles have been filled by men and women in the past. Uh, But if you look at blobs of circles, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? And so we actually wrote a two or three sentence description of every single one of these roles. You can find two or three sentences explaining what this role is. But still, 50 roles, a list of 50 roles is pretty overwhelming. And so we're going to help you. If you tick on your connection form, see that box that's on your connection form that says, I'd like to chat about how I serve at Salt Church. Uh, Probably most of us have never ticked that. The only people who have ticked are people who want to chat about how I serve or people who are just curious kind of people who are like, what happens when I tick that? What like happens behind the scenes? I really want to know. Here's Here's what happens. When you tick that, someone from the ministry team will catch up with you to have a no pressure serving conversation. And they'll chat through that list and they'll help you work out from that 50, 
What's things that would be good ways for you to serve sustainably, to get involved, and I hope you land in one of those roles. That's what happens when you tick that. The other thing you can do is jump on this website, saltchurch.info slash serve. All the information I just talked about is on there. There's a form you can fill in there and ha- to start a serving conversation. This is how you get involved at Salt. This is the ways to serve at Salt Church. And actually, we have with this many needs, with all the different things that we're doing, you might have noticed that we don't advertise on Sundays in our gathering the needs at Salt Church. Uh, we don't really do that. Partly because if we did it, we'd be doing it every single week. We'd be recruiting every single week and, and calling for people. And also, Salt's needs are just constantly changing as people join teams and leave teams and we start new things. So what we do is we track the needs. Uh, I track them using this document. We track the needs and we recruit by asking people directly if we can see that you've got a gift for something or just finding out what your gifts are through a serving conversation. So there's the fifth thing. Where can I use my gifts at Salt Church? Well, if you've got a spare hour in your week, tick that box, jump on that website, have a serving conversation, and we will find something useful and meaningful to fill that hour with. If you've got a spare day, come and chat with me. We will fill that with immensely useful kingdom-building things. There are so many ways to serve at Salt Church. But let me tell you, you want to know what is always the biggest need at Salt Church? We've got a bunch of needs that come and go, but always the biggest need is leaders. Leaders is the biggest need in our church because if you lead, you take on more responsibility for people. And it's often the case that the longer you are working in the same field or working in the same workplace, you start to be given more responsibility and you start to be developed to be a leader there. And it's really tiring to lead at work and then to back up on a Sunday and lead at church or to lead at work and then during the week to lead at church. What we need at Soul Church though is people who are willing to be tired. Uh, People who are willing to be tired for Jesus as they lead at both work and Salt Church, or even people who choose to lead less at work so they can lead more at church. Let me just throw that thought out there in passing. It's not the only thing to be said. We all have different gifts, different capacities. We need the whole body. We all need to serve. We need to be sustainable. But we also need people to keep stepping up and making sacrifices for our church because God's given Salt Church everything that we need. It's you. It's us. God has gifted you with what our church needs to grow. Which brings us to the last question. Question number six. Where can I refund my gifts? Uh, It might be that as you see your gifts and you see the gifts of others, you feel like you got a raw deal. You got ripped off. I think we've got to learn from the world wars. Because if you think about the world wars, who won the world wars? It was the soldiers on the front lines fighting. They won the war. And some of them got medals. Some of them became famous for their courage and their resilience. They won the war. The soldiers fighting for us. But at the same time, a whole nation won the war. Some did it on the front lines. Some did it by making munitions and sewing clothes and sending food. They had different roles, but committed to the same cause. And it's the same for us. Christians are fighting a war for people's souls. And God's given all Christians gifts. Some Christians are famous and they get the medals. All of us have a role to play. 
Our gifts are not for our self-identity. They're not for our self-satisfaction. They're to grow the church. They're to do good. And so we want to gladly play our part in this. And it's much easier to play your part if you stop listening to our culture and you find your identity and your satisfaction in Jesus and not in what you do. It's so much easier to play your part if you can see that serving is greatness. Jesus gives us the grace to do that. Jesus gives us a new way to be human, a new way to view your identity and what matters. It's wildly different to what our culture teaches. It's gloriously beautiful. It's radically better. So whatever gifts you've got, gladly serve anyone and everyone with whatever you've got. Let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Father God, we thank you so much for all the gifts that you've showered on us, for every good and perfect gift that you've given to us. And we thank you especially and most of all for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy to us. We pray, Lord, for our church that we would serve. I praise you so much for how many of us serve in formal ways just all the time. We pray, Lord, that that would never stop, that we would be gladly serving you with everything we've got. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to see opportunities this week to go out and serve in our community, to serve our families, our workplaces, and to serve our church for your glory. Amen. After the sermon, we also had a time of Q&A where people submitted questions and our pastor answered them. And we've included that as part of the podcast to you now. Well, we're going to have um, Jeff come and join us up on stage and Andy's going to say see you later for now. Thanks. Um, So grab your uh, phones, be having a look at the Slido questions. Um, Feel free if you've jumped out of Slido, you can scan the code again to bring you back into Slido. And I'm keen to hear some of what people are wanting to ask Jeff. I love good juicy questions. Alrighty. Um, and we'll, you'll see some of the questions come up on the screen as well. Um, did you have a favourite juicy question? Let's start with that, Jeff. Um, I liked the odd pick Lisa, Christian, and Caleb to be in the band. They're pretty great. <laughs> I would too. I think they are great models of the very thing we were talking about. Absolutely. Mm. That was, that was, not a, that was um, a comment. Oh, and this was your opportunity was good to pick your favourite one. Alrighty. <laughs> um, so... Well, we, <laughs> we could just put you in the deep end here, Jeff. Do all our pastors have the gift of teaching and how do we know that? <laughs> Thanks, Mel. Uh, I, was, I saw this question. I was, That's a good question. Um, let's do this. Come to Titus. Come to the book of Titus. Um, let me do this with Bible. What is the gift of teaching? I think actually what happens with most of the New Testament gifts is... You have to try and work out what is it. There's there's a couple of questions in here about prophecy and healings and things like that. What is prophecy? Well, we tend to assume what it would be based on how the word is used in the English language or those kinds of things. But you have to see how the Bible defines these things to work out what it is. Um, I actually don't think there is a definition of prophecy in the New Testament, uh, which makes it really tricky. Um, 
to work out that one. But teaching is much easier. So in Titus chapter 1, uh, look at verse 10, or verse 9, sorry. Um, Paul's there giving a list of what are you looking for in elders, overseers, pastors, um, those kinds of people. And he says, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception. And on he goes. Uh, so what is the gift of teaching? I think you see in the New Testament, it's the ability to teach that you can communicate. Uh, I think it's also a character thing that you're humble enough to sit under God's word uh, so that you're willing to let God shape what you say and not just get on your soapbox and say whatever you want to say. Um, and I think it's the ability and the responsibility to guard the truth that as God passes passed it on to us and refute error uh, and to do that in a church community as a kind of capital T teaching um, I'll let you be the judge whether you think our pastors can do that um, whether you think our all our pastors can do that I would say yes uh, but I think you'll see as well in chapter 2 the word teach is used in a bunch of different ways in the New Testament not just for that pastor capital T teacher kind of position so listen to this you however must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine, that same idea. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husband and children, to be self-controlled and pure, and away it goes. So he's saying to you, Titus, Appoint other people who can teach the church and, and guard the faith and look, um, you know, protect against error and teach older men to do this and younger men to do this and older women to do this and younger women to do this and teach the older women to teach the younger women. It's this whole, we all teach each other. All of us, Colossians 3 uses this same idea. All of us who can understand anything of God's word, who can understand the gospel, can share it with others to help each other grow. And without it, we'd be, we'd be stuffed. We, all need, we need all of it. We need all of us teaching one another. Yeah, that's and what I'd say. I think that's great how you're pointing us to the Bible, that with all of these questions, it's great to, to wrestle with thoughts and ideas. But I love that God wants us to bring them to him, to find our answers from his revealed um, understanding, which is in the Bible. So that's a great example of that. Thanks, Jeff. Um, we've got another question up here. Should we strive for gifts that we haven't been given? Um, can we work towards having a gift? And if we're working towards it, would it be a gift? Yeah. Um, yes, I think it would be a gift if you're working towards it. Uh, musical abilities is a great example of that. There seems to be some people who just have this natural ability and instinct to just pick up an instrument. Those people irritate me immensely. <laughs> I had to work really hard at the instruments and I'm still mediocre at them. Um, but even those people, you don't just pick up a guitar and go, oh, put the fingers here. Amazing. I've got this gift. That's a gift that you work at, isn't it? And same with leadership abilities, all sorts of things we work at. But as we work, God is at work in us. Um, so I think to the second part of the question, I'd say, uh, yes, it could still be a gift that God's giving you. The first part of the question, if I don't have a gift, wait, what is, it's, it's flipped around. Oh, it's, it's lost left. It. What is it? <laughs> so what I it guess um, if we're working towards a gift, is it actually a gift? Yeah. Was part of the question. What was the other part? It's up again. Oh, it's up. Um, should we strive for gifts if we don't have them? Yes, should we strive for gifts that haven't been given? Uh, Yes, if there's a need. 
So I think the thing with gifts and self-identity, self-satisfaction, all that sort of stuff I was saying, if it's not for that and it's for serving the church, does the church need it? Well, if the church needs it, could you be the one that God uses to fill that need? Um, it might be that you start striving for it and God provides someone. I remember at a, a church I used to be at, uh, I was the only guitarist and singer. I am not a singer. I was the only one who played. It was a church plant. There was like 30 of us. That was me. Um, I don't know why they let me do it, but there was a need. And so I was the only one who could feel that need. Uh, and I started trying to teach some other people how to play guitar uh, and to how to sing with my limited ability, so that I could raise up people to do it. And they were growing and they were learning how to do it. And then suddenly we just had two people join the church that were awesome musicians. It was like, oh, we don't need you to do that anymore. These guys will do it. You can serve in some other way. I think that's a great example. If there's a need, for sure, try and fill it. But also you can pray and ask God to fill that need. I think the danger would be if you're trying to fill that need for you. Uh, If it's like, oh, I really want to be on stage. Or I really want to be the person at the door who everybody gets to see and welcome. Or whatever it might be. Um, if God wants you to be that, if God, we need that, sure. But yeah, just checking your heart. Mm. And I think um, just touching on... <laughs> I'm tempted. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> Come back next time. We might see Jeff on guitar. Um, yeah, I think just touching in on that, like the Bible also talks about how God gives us the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. And so I guess some of the questions are looking at, well, um, if you don't feel like serving, do you still serve? And I guess we can pray that God would give us that desire to, to be doing it for God's glory and to be helping others, but also that it's God who's gifting us with those um, abilities, but that he also calls us to do everything to the glory of God. And so using the gifts that he's given us for his purposes. Um, so I, I love that it's both us doing our best, um, but also it's God who's giving us that ability and desire to serve. Um, yeah, yeah. So. and I think it's if you were struggling to pray or you were struggling to read the Bible or you were struggling to come to church, the answer would be stop coming to church, wouldn't it? It would be stop <laughs> praying. Like that's how you'd fix it, isn't it? Now, of course, that's not how you would fix it. You would pray and ask God mm. to help you pray. Mm. You would come to church and ask God to help you want to come to church. Mm. I think it's similar. Of course, there's times to reduce our responsibilities, to, to dig into God's word, to work out why we're finding it difficult. But the answer isn't to stop serving if you're struggling to serve. It's to ask God to change your heart and help you serve for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, another question we've got is, what might it look like if someone was to use the gift of prophecy or a word of knowledge at salt? Oh, all the doozies today. Uh, it depends what you think the gift of prophecy or a word of knowledge is. Um, I think, like I said, these ones are particularly hard to understand from Scripture. So, so far as I can tell, the only thing that's said about a word of knowledge is that it's a word of knowledge. There's one or two sentences about it in the New Testament. How do you work out what that means off two sentences? Um, I'm sure that the people Paul was writing to in 1 Corinthians knew what he meant when he said a word of knowledge. We've got to do a bit of detective work to try and work out what is that. Obviously, it's a word. Obviously, it's got knowledge, but that's about all you've got to go with. Uh, Prophecy is different. Prophecy, we get a lot more on. Um, I think what we see in the New Testament is, let me give you some background, and then I'll give you what I think it looks like it's sold. You see this big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In In the Old Testament, the word of a prophet is a spoken word from God, 
And if you disobey the prophet, you are disobeying God. And if the prophet is a false prophet, there's passages that say you should kill that false prophet because they're deceiving God's people. That's a really high bar for what a prophecy is in the Old Testament. When you get to the New Testament, it uses it differently because the equivalent of the Old Testament prophet is the New Testament apostle not the New Testament prophet. So the New Testament apostle is the one who's been given God's word directly from Jesus to speak and teach it by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of equivalent. So then what is the gift of prophecy? You do get these moments where people seem to predict the future. So we'll see one in Acts when we jump back into Acts next year. Um, This guy named Agabus has this prophecy that there's going to be a big famine. And so all the Christians are like, oh, there's going to be a big famine. We should save up some money give it to the Jews in Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians, so that they don't starve. That seems like a predicting the future thing. But then you get all these other passages that talk about prophecy as uh, teaching and speaking and encouraging and spurring people on, uh, which seems quite different to that picture. Uh, So my personal take, here you go, for what it's worth, uh, I'm still digging into this. I haven't landed this at all. I will not die on this hill. But... My personal take is that it's when we speak, when we have this kind of a God at work stirring us, uh, guiding us to apply God's word to our own life and to apply God's word to someone else. So I think, could be wrong, I think what Krista did a few moments ago was prophecy. When Krista said, doesn't that Holy Spirit just strike you with how much, I can't even, you said it so much better than I will. Um, That sense of uh, the Holy Spirit at work teaching us, helping us go, our culture tells us this, and it's so hard. It's so hard not to accept what our culture says. We really need to hear what God says. Listen to this song and have let these truths of yet not I, but through Christ in me ring true for you. I think that's prophecy. I think what you guys did as you share after the sermon is prophecy, because I think it's us using God's word, applying God's word, being directed and inspired by God to apply God's word to people. Could be wrong. Won't die on that hill. More thinking. There you go. That's what I reckon. And I guess it's like so much of the Bible that it's good for us to keep thinking through on these things. Um, And I guess what's really struck me tonight was that we're looking at all of us as the body of Christ and every gift being equally important in God's eyes. And so I think as well with the gift of prophecy, it would be weighing it up too. Is it in line, is what's being said in line with what the Bible is saying as well? Um, but I think, I think it's great tonight. We've been able to gather, we've been able to reflect on it's God who gives these gifts for his glory and for people to know him. Um, so thanks for sharing your words of wisdom there, Jeff, that God has um, given you to impart to us tonight. And we're going to um, wrap up now. So would you join with me? As-